1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. I've got Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy here with me on today's show. What a fun one we've got planned for you. Coming up, we'll have your birthdays in sports. Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and on three sports. Give us a breakdown of the Auburn football recruiting world. Justin Ferguson is with us as he is on Tuesdays. We've got a player of the week that we want to give out and a whole lot more. So plenty to accomplish on this edition of Sports Call. Again, Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy here with me on the program. Neither of these fine individuals were with me yesterday. So guys, how we doing? Uh, doing all right. Um, a little bit a uh, little bit of a cold been battling the last few days. And I suspect the person talking in just a moment will uh, agree with that statement on his behalf as well. But uh, doing all right overall. overall. Been enjoying the NBA, NHL playoffs. Those uh, those kick back up tonight. Got a draft lottery tonight, which will give us a key to the puzzle on uh, where Jabari Smith might get drafted, uh, one, two, or three. And then, uh, yeah, NBA, NHL second or NBA conference final starting tonight, and then uh, NHL second round starting tonight. So. Uh, a lot of sports have been keeping up with, keeping up with Auburn baseball's chances of a regional. Had a really good series this past weekend against Alabama. Really disappointed to see game three get rained out. Seemed like there was just a few showers out there, and they just continued to hover and redevelop over Plainsman Park. So that was very frustrating. But uh, overall, had a great weekend, or had a very good weekend, just trying to battle through this cold. JJ, you and I, and Christian uh, went down to the Opelika Sportsplex and hooped like old times. So that was fun. So, yeah. It was a good weekend. Just trying to battle this cold and uh, get through this, but otherwise doing very well. Yeah. Uh, also, if you can't tell, also fighting a cold here. Uh, the uh, as Ryan said before, we got. I sounded bad last week. You <coughs> yeah, know, someone, it, it, it was uh, it was yeah, verbally addressed gonna, on gonna, the radio show last what's week. What's it going to point that JJ? That you don't sound it? normal, JJ. You've been traveling a lot. You've been in different elements and climates, and it seems like you've caught a little cold. And here I am. We were, and, and I wasn't yeah. going to point fingers at who gave it. to But us, I'll connect but, the dots you know, and let wanna, people know yeah. that I'm I'm the I'm the guilty one here, and I apologize. But I uh, had a good weekend. Took a little trip up north to Huntsville. Celebrated some friends getting engaged this weekend uh so shout out to them uh hope they are happy and can't wait to uh be there for their wedding hope they're happy <laughs> with that decision. Yeah. uh can't wait to be there for their wedding later on in the year um and then otherwise yeah auburn baseball big series win over alabama technically a series sweep because they only played two games and they got the third one canceled going to their final midweek contest tonight up in uh birmingham against samford not canceling it to uh save rpi like other teams in the southeastern conference may or may not be doing <coughs> Ole miss um <laughs> texas a&m <laughs> um 
the uh, so yeah, big series tonight. Big series coming up this weekend. I guess you could call it a series. You got a chance to play three games for the Auburn softball team in the NCAA tournament. Kicking things off uh, against Louisiana on Friday, and then hopefully you make it all the way to Sunday with the the championship matchups there in the uh, Clemson Regional. They'll go up against Clemson and Louisiana and UNC Wilmington. So big week in preparation for the women's softball team. I'm sure yeah. we'll talk a lot about that. And then as always, can't wait to uh, talk to all of our callers today. No doubt about that 334-887-3401 if you would like to call in to be a part of the program we're going to celebrate some birthdays here uh, to open up the show on may 17th 2022 and i'm going to require a comment about all of the birthdays there are a couple of days where i'm just reading off bios and silence from time i will require a comment at least on every single birthday that we celebrate today okay well i know one of the birthdays today so i'm going to have some fun things i feel like i always have at least one thing to say okay here we go all right let's do it it's time for today's birthdays in sports yes birthdays in sports here today on may 17th 2022 happy birthday tony parker who's turning 40 years old the former nba point guard the son of a basketball pro parker started his career at paris basket racing in the french basketball league before he was selected by the spurs with the 28th overall pick in the 2001 nba draft he quickly became their starting point guard and was a part of four nba championships with the team Six-time All-Star, MVP of the 2007 Finals, defeating LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. His number nine jersey retired by the Spurs. Tony Parker, four-time NBA champ, turns 40 years old today. I miss those Spurs teams. Uh, they were good. They were good. I wasn't a they huge were good. Spurs fan, but it was because they were good. And, you know, I like the Lakers and the Warriors. Back then, the Warriors were trash, but the Lakers were the main competition for the Spurs. I feel like one of those two teams is going to the finals every year. On Tony Parker, I wanted to say the fun fact about you reading his bio is in the time that you just read uh, his bio, he just made two more mid-range jump shots. Yeah. Um, and so he had that mid-range game down pat. Boy, did he. Happy birthday, Danny Manning, a former NBA player, currently an assistant coach for the Louisville Cardinals. Played college basketball for Kansas and led the Jayhawks, the Jayhawks to an NCAA championship in 1988. He left KU as the school's all-time leading scorer and rebounder. Wow. Very impressive. He won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award, and the NABC. His number 25 jersey is retired by Kansas. In the 1988 NBA draft, he was taken first overall by the L.A. Clippers. While he never achieved the same level of success in the pros that he did in college, Manning lasted 14 seasons in the league, was a two-time All-Star, one-time sixth man of the year. He entered coaching after retiring, and as assistant coach has been a five-time Big 12 regular season champion, four-time Big 12 tournament champion and also won a title as an assistant coach. Uh, did not do that great as the Wake Forest head men's basketball coach, but currently at Louisville. Danny Manning is turning 56 years old. I was going to say, I think part of the reason Manning wasn't a great pro is he was drafted by the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, it, it just hits the fan there a lot of the time. But, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of optimism when he got the Wake Forest job that he would turn that program around. And as it feels like the case with average major programs they did pull off some upsets for a couple years and you were just waiting for 
the momentum to climb, and it, it just never really did. Happy birthday, Danny Manning, turning 56. Next, Hubert Davis turns 52, a former NBA player and the current head coach of the University of North Carolina men's basketball. Davis went to UNC as a player where he set the school record for highest career three-point percentage with 43.5, a record that still stands today. As a senior, he led UNC to the 1992 Final Four. He was selected 20th overall in the 1992 draft by the Knicks and played 12 seasons seasons in the NBA. After his retirement, he returned to his alma mater as an assistant coach in 2012. In 2021, following the retirement of Roy Williams, Davis took over as head coach of the Tar Heels. As a coach, he's been to three Final Fours, including most recently this season in his first year as a head coach. Yeah, and uh, my, one of my favorite things about Hubert Davis is always going to be that he ended Mike Krzyzewski's career, so... Uh, he was the uh, the last coach for uh, Coach K ever coached against, and he beat him. And uh, yeah, yes, you he did. A, yeah, you have a shirt on of certain yeah. persuasion, and I just wanted to remind you. Two of uh, K's final losses, two of his f- three final losses. Happy birthday, Hubert! My, were uh, to Hubert Davis. My favorite Hubert Davis fact is that it took Coach K six years at Duke to get to a national title game. It took Hubert Davis one. <laughs> Yep. That's All right. A, that's a good one, Brooks. Thank you for that. Uh, finally, right there, can we folks. move on? <laughs> sure. Matt Ryan is turning 37 hey, you years old. Comments, yeah. Quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, formerly for the Atlanta Falcons. Ryan was Boston College starting quarterback from 05 to 07, Go Eagles. leading them to three bowl victories and a 25 and 7 record in 32 starts. He led his team to the ACC Atlantic Division Championship and was named AFC, or excuse me, ACC Player of the Year. Two 2008, he was drafted third overall by the Atlanta Falcons. He would spend 14 seasons with the team, four-time Pro Bowler, one-time MVP, and one-time Offensive Player of the Year. Happy 37th birthday to Matt Ryan. My favorite Matt Ryan moment is Super Bowl 51, just the entirety. <laughs> on, on his birthday, you're bringing it yeah. up. Um, on his you birthday. comments. I'm here for him. Yeah, Matt Ryan now a Colt. Um, and uh, we'll see if yeah we'll see if they have any. I mean, I again AFC. I can't wait till the weeks up to the NFL, our NFL season when we can start go deep diving into each team because they're like all good except for the Texans, Jaguars, and Jets in the AFC. But Colts can be interesting. Matt Ryan's had a really good career. Do we think Brady could go to the Colts next? Because they seem to be just be picking up the quarterbacks <laughs> are in the last well, that, years. Well, that's when he's like ready to be his last last season, like Philip Rivers. So whenever he's really ready to <laughs> hang him up. That's what he'll go. Birthdays in sports here today. Happy birthday, Matt Ryan, Hubert Davis, Danny Manning. And I'm forgetting the other one already. Matt Ryan? No, I said him first. Oh. Tony Parker. Wow. Tony Parker, yeah. the he legend. Two other, uh, it's because you didn't care for the mid-range. Yeah. Game. It wasn't cool. He enough. took two rings away from LeBron. All right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, let's go ahead and take our first break of the show. When we come back, James from Montgomery joins Sports Call here. Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401. Or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 
Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress here inside our studios on South College Street. If you want to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401. Want to let you know that you can listen to our show on the podcast. You can also listen on Alexa devices. Just say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to our show. So, taking a look at uh, what's coming up here in just a little bit, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live on 3 Sports will be a part of our program. Uh, We're going to talk about recruiting. What's going on right now with the Auburn football recruiting side of things? It was a question that was brought up during yesterday's show. You asked, we answered, we go talk to the recruiting folks, and we'll do that here in just a little bit. For now, though, we want to take your phone calls as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line. Joining us now on the program, James from Montgomery. James has called into the show. We want to say hello to James. James, you're on Sports Call with myself, and I've got Ryan and Brooks in the studio with me. Hey, buddy. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all are going to be talking with somebody from the Auburn uh, recruiting about um, Auburn football that's going to be coming up, uh, I think, in a couple of weeks from now, in a couple of months, Sean Sykes. That's right. We're going to be talking about uh, some high schoolers that might commit and play football for the Tigers. Yeah, because um, with all of that being said, um, I'm looking at some new uh, recruitment for Auburn with the high schools that um, might be in the Auburn, Opelika area, seeing um, Auburn High School, uh, some of the some of the uh, players that are coming out of the high school and Opelika High and uh, those two uh, main schools I'm actually looking at because, I mean, we do need a lot of hometown, uh, you know, people on our roster uh, for next year in 2022, I mean, in 2023 and in 2024 as well. So I'm I'm actually going to see uh, some of those great uh, seniors that are coming out of, of Auburn High and Opelika High School as well. Really important. Really, really important to see if uh, Auburn can continue to put together good recruiting classes. It's going to help Brian Harson have success. Yes, as well, because with the season right around the corner, I'm looking at maybe with Brian Harson actually – you know, being a good head coach for Auburn, I probably see Auburn actually coming out of the gate on week one of the college football season. Uh, I see a really big win against Auburn, uh, trying to get a win against Mercer because I actually, um, I actually saw Mercer. I uh, will have to say that was back uh, 2017 when we actually played them in Jordan Hare Stadium. And that was under former Auburn head coach. Uh, I think that was um, Gus Malzahn at the time. You're correct. Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback, and Auburn did play Mercer that year in 2017. Yes, because I was actually there, and I did see some mistakes um, under uh, Jarrett Stidham. But with that being said, now in the 2022 season, under um, Brian Harson, I probably see some great things coming out of uh, T.J. Finley this year, and I think in my near in my near crystal ball with T.J. Finley, I probably see T.J. Finley as a NFL star sometime in his near future as well. That'd be quite impressive if you were able to turn this career into NFL stardom. Yes, as well because with 
a lot of a lot of our guys being going well, actually getting drafted and going into the NFL. Some of the new guys might step up and try to fill that empty that empty spot that you know some of the other players actually left behind. But it's going to be a hard spot. It's going to be a hard spot. Uh, spot to actually put in as well because you got to put in a lot of dedication and a lot of work and that's what we that's what we always have we have our mottos that say uh you know work strong and work hard as well what else is on your mind well i'm actually going to be looking at uh week game one of tonight of the eastern conference finals between the miami heat and the Boston Celtics, so I think the Miami Heat will take this one. One, uh, this will be their first game to actually take in their home stadium in Miami, and I'm actually going to be watching that game on ESPN Deportes because it's in Miami. So I'm going to be watching that on ESPN uh, Spanish Channel as well. So that will be a really good, uh, a good game to actually see Miami play in. Uh, against Boston and actually having the whole game uh, in Spanish as well. How much basketball talk can you do in Spanish? Uh, not very much, but for me... My so Spanish are you going to be able to understand? I, yes, I, I actually do understand it as well because I did take Spanish in high school for two years. Oh, wow. Wow. So you just yeah. want to watch it in Spanish? Yes, I do because I, I really... Uh, I've been watching a lot of Spanish uh, games over the years as well, and it's very, very honest to have my Spanish uh, root being um, presented like that. Your family is Spanish, James? Yes, my mother is, and uh, she speaks fluently Spanish. She is from San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico as well. Okay. All right. Well, you know, the Heat and the Celtics played one another multiple times when LeBron and Dwayne Wade were playing for the Heat about a decade ago. They went against the Celtics in the conference finals. And two seasons ago, when Kimball Walker was with the Boston Celtics, they played Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. That series was played in the bubble, James. They played the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble two years ago. Yes, I did actually see that one uh, two years ago. And uh, with this Miami Heat team, I think Miami is a really good team to actually win as the Eastern Conference. And probably I'll probably see like a good matchup during the playoff finals. I probably see like a, I'll probably see like Dallas and Miami meeting up for the for the playoff spot as well for the NBA championship. Yes, for the NBA championship as well. Because I think with these two teams that are going to meet up in the NBA championship finals, I think Dallas is going to win for, I guess, I will have to say like their eighth or ninth consecutive uh, winning title as well. So I think that will be a really good uh, observation to see, um, you know, Dallas to actually win an uh, NBA finals. Uh, championship as well. Yeah, I, I hate to burst your bubble, James, but they haven't won a title in 11 years. They haven't won since 2011. You know, Dallas hasn't hasn't won that many in a row. Last year, the Bucks won it. Yes, uh, yes, the Milwaukee Bucks did win uh, their last uh, NBA title, and I was very excited. I had Milwaukee winning 
the NBA Finals. I think they played against, let me see, who did they play? I think they played against uh, Golden State. Phoenix Suns. Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Phoenix Suns. Sorry about that. Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. And I actually had some favorite to win all all seven games, and I was very excited to actually see that. And I had tears in my eyes to see uh, seeing a great team in the NBA to to win it. And I hope they do great things on the off on the off season as well. And I'll probably see them back next year in 2023 as well. All right, we got some trivia for you. You asked for some trivia yesterday, and we got to do this trivia, and then we'll get you out of here. Okay. All right. All right. If I remember yesterday, you asked for SEC softball trivia, and uh, I'll give yeah. you I'll give you some NASCAR trivia too. Okay. Okay. All right. So, who won the SEC softball tournament this past week? Uh, let's see. This past week, because I did see the tournament last week, and I would have to say that would be the Arkansas Razorbacks. Very good, James. Excellent job there. Excellent job. All right. Who is the head softball coach for the Auburn Tigers? Oh, man. Okay. What is his name? I did see the game last week, and they were talking with Butch Thompson. He's the baseball coach. You're very close. He's the baseball coach. We're looking for the softball coach. Okay. The softball coach, that will be... Mickey Dean. Yes, very good. Very good, James. Very good. All right, and uh, here's your next question. We saw NASCAR this past weekend race at Kansas. You've mentioned before how much you like the Kansas Speedway. Who won the race on Sunday? That will have to be no other than Kyle Larson. Very close. He was up there towards the front, but it was a different Kyle that won. Oh, it was his Younger brother, um, what's his younger brother's name? He's always talking about him all the time. Uh, I know Kyle, but Kyle will be his older brother. And his younger brother would be uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Larson. Not quite. So, so Kyle Bush won the race, and then Kyle oh, okay. Kyle Bush's brother Kurt is also oh, okay. who you're thinking of there. Yeah, it was uh, Kurt Bush. Yep, you're exactly right. You're exactly yeah. right. You remember what car Kurt Bush drives? Uh, Kurt Bush drives the number nine Nissan. Uh, the not the number nine Napa. Uh, uh, auto part. Uh, oh, that, that, that that's Chase Elliott. Oh, sorry, darn it. It's okay. Oh, man. <laughs> sorry, I get all those uh, different paint schemes mixed up. It's, uh, yeah, Kurt Busch drives the forty-five now. He drives the forty-five. Yes, he, he does. And uh, this coming up weekend, they're actually going to. Be doing the All Star break as well, so it'll be for this one. This will be my fourth time watching the NASCAR All Star Weekend, and on this one, one winner would win one million dollars in the All Star Weekend. Very good, very impressive. That would be uh, that would be awesome. I think Marie would like it if you won a million dollars. 
Uh, yes, it, it would be. It would be um, very interesting as well because um, basically for me, I do love. I actually love NASCAR as well because basically for me, I love uh, go kart racing as well. So I'm a pretty good uh, go kart driver as well. All right, we like it. We like it. All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Okay. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Our buddy James from Montgomery joining us there on the program today. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live on 3 Sports joins us right after this on Sports Call. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SportsCallAU. And again, thank you for listening locally in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area on Tiger 95.9 FM or streaming live wherever you are on our Tiger communications app let's go to our auburn bank phone line right now and bring on a new guest a friend of the program cole pinkston from auburn live and on three sports kind enough to join us on the show today cole we appreciate the time how are you hey jj i appreciate you having me on man dude i'm excited to talk a little ball with you it's it's the time of year where uh, auburn has exited spring practice where uh, the academic year has come to a close a lot of people paying attention to what's going on with baseball and softball and everything there with the auburn athletics but uh, recruiting never stops and we know the camp season's about to pick up and going so uh, kind of let us know where this auburn football staff is is at right now yeah, you're right, man. The, the recruiting never stops. It's it's a it's a 365 days a year thing, and uh, I think Brian Harson and his staff really understand that. And they've been on the road the past few months. They've been going to each high school, state of Alabama, state of Georgia, state of Florida, just making sure that they get to see all their top targets. They go and they see younger guys, and you know, build relationships with coaches as well. So that's been going on, and then you got. Uh, you know, visits going on to campus from four-star, uh, you know, top targets. And you got official visits being scheduled for the summer. And, you know, you got your camp cir- circuit coming up as well, which is always good for Auburn. Get to see, you know, younger prospects, see the guys that you're recruiting in action. Tell me this, too, because I, I know that we've talked to some folks about this uh, recently as well, Cole, but the fact that this hadn't had been happening regardless of who your head coach is over the past few seasons because we were dealing with the pandemic, and now the NCAA has kind of uh, lightened a bunch of restrictions that were there. So this is just a pleasant sight, I would imagine, for everybody, that it does feel back to normal and that you do see these coaches traveling the state to go to all these high schools. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That, that really hurt Auburn, I, I think, because getting – 
kids on campus is always a huge step for Auburn. Getting them to see the atmosphere, the town, the way things go, that was always a huge recruiting pitch for uh, you know recruits that were considering Auburn, and it, and it usually uh, gave Auburn a boost. So without that, it, they struggled some. Uh, you know, they still brought in some good talent, but uh, some of the top targets got away because they just couldn't they couldn't get the pitch out there like they always could. So now you can do that. Uh, your coaches are on the road, and you have a staff that's not really – most of them are not from the Auburn area, so they're, they're getting to know everybody, and they've been doing that for a while now. And I think the relationships are starting to pay off because we're seeing many of the top targets start to um, really trend to Auburn and, and got to commit not too long ago, and there should be more soon. Cole, when we look at teams, oftentimes we kind of break down where their positions or, or what positions are going to be their strong suits on the season and obviously what who uh, needs some improvement. When we're looking at the recruiting side of things right here, I want to kind of pose the same type of question in that as we look towards that 2023 class, what position do you feel like Auburn is in the mix with the most quality prospects or, or what position do you feel that they are, are really doing a good job of targeting so far? Well, I think everybody will be happy to hear that the offensive line uh, has multiple targets on the board and some that probably have Auburn in the lead. You still have a ways to go there, uh, but the need is evident. You have so many seniors moving on after this season, after this coming season, so these these younger guys that are coming into play, they, they feel like they can play, and, and that's not always true. You know, in Division One football on the offensive line, so you got a lot of guys, probably ten plus guys that are uh, legitimate, realistic targets on the offensive line, and then on the defensive line. I think the defensive line, uh, new defensive line coach Jimmy Brumball has done an excellent job getting guys on campus. I think there was we counted about twenty four-star D linemen that made the trip in the spring to come see Auburn, and uh, you know, a lot of those guys have kept Auburn in the mix and, and are going to officially visit too. So. Just uh, strengthening, you know, both lines of scrimmage is is the the key to this recruiting class. And it's obviously so early. Most teams obviously only have single-digit commits at this point, and even some of those maybe not be rock-solid at this point. But but kind of take us through a team like Auburn that's obviously got a big reach and is, is recruiting a lot of top talent. How many guys are they seriously looking at at each position? And I know that it, it varies, so you, I know it's not going to be blanket for the same position and that sort of thing. Right. But just like realistically, how many guys are they really trying to hone in on at this point in the recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things we do over at Auburn Live is we, we break down each position board and, and the way we see it. And, you know, we have intel on things. And uh, each position kind of has started to at least somewhat narrow down. At one time, you probably had 300, 350 targets on the board, and now it's probably closer to 200. So that that has to do with guys that are considering others or maybe the staff has moved on from them. So it could be either thing there, but – Either way, your boards are narrowing down, and you have, like I said, offensive line, defensive line, probably the heaviest. You probably have the most on those positions, and then uh, there's a big need at linebacker as well. Uh, you're going to need some run, uh, somebody to come in at running back where, where Tank Bixby may go pro next season, or he's only got one season after that if he doesn't. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of targets, but at this point, it, which, by the way, Last season, I don't think it was as narrowed down. 
I think they've narrowed it down more, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good sign because they have prospects they feel better about at this point. Let's get a little bit more specific here in just a moment. Again, on Twitter, at Cole Pinkston. We'll get some specific names out there for folks to kind of know, okay, who do we need to be on the lookout for? But one more kind of broad. We're looking at the, the schedule ahead for the recruiting world. Here we are, May 17th, Cole. So uh, when folks want to know commitments and they want to know them now, what, when is that next wave where not only at Auburn but across the nation you think that we'll start to see a lot of guys make their decisions on college? Yeah, well, the recruiting cycles, they kind of go in seasons. You know, you have the spring season where you have kids coming to campus and they're and they're watching practice and they're getting to know coaches. And then you have your summer season, which is about to be here. If it's not already here, you know, as kids are graduating, um, you know, they're uh, coming to see, coming to go to the camps. They're coming to see campus again, you know, starting to get official visits in and narrowing things down. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you could see some commits at Auburn in the next month or so, uh, and around the country. Just start everybody starts jumping in the boat somewhere. And uh, a couple of guys that I'm looking at right now for Auburn are, are quarterback Brock Glenn from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I think I think Auburn wants just one quarterback, and they have seem seemingly honed in on him. Uh, his first name is actually Auburn. For those that don't know, wow. Auburn Brock Glenn is his name. Uh, and he's got ties to the school, so that's that's probably a guy to, to look out for right now. Um, uh, running back from Montgomery, Alabama, Jeremiah Cobb, four-star guy. He's somebody that's been on the radar for a long time, and the staff has made a priority. It seems to be paying off, and I don't think he's going to drag it out too much longer. That's another guy to watch. Um, yeah, those are those are two guys right now that are on my radar as possible summer commitments. Yeah, you, you've got a story up right now, AuburnLive.com, talking a little bit about Brock Glenn, reviewing the RPM. And no, folks, that's not motor vehicles, revolutions per minute. <laughs> that's the recruiting prediction machine. So uh, kind of tell me about that, Cole, if you don't mind, and, and a little bit more on, on some of these other guys. Yeah, yeah, the the on three recruiting prediction machine, the RPM, it's, it's a great innovative deal, man. I mean, it's one thing to see a prediction from an expert, but this this is an algorithm that sees past recruiting wins from certain coaches that are recruiting certain players from the schools, from the proximity to home, uh, even the social media presence. I mean, it just picks up on everything that it could possibly pick up on, and it gives you a real idea of where the trend is with each individual recruit, right? So as of right now, Auburn leads heavily for uh, – QB Brock Glenn from Memphis, Tennessee, and that's because he visited, he got his offer, um, you know, some experts and put in predictions for Auburn, so so Auburn's leading the way big time there, and they're leading for a lot of guys right now, too, in the RPM, and, uh, you know, the RPM will get more accurate as time goes on because it is an algorithm that picks up, um, you know, past, uh, you know, things that happen in recruiting in each recruitment, so right now, though, you see so many guys because there were so many visits during the spring and, and the winter part uh, and visits that happened every weekend. I mean, I was up in Auburn every weekend talking to recruits, four-star recruits. We're talking about big-time recruits around the country, guys from New Jersey, guys from, uh, you know, not the usual recruiting territory for Auburn. So it's been really interesting, and I think Auburn got some momentum building right now. And, and that was evident when they picked up a commitment from four-star DB Terrence Love 
from Fairburn, Georgia. Big time. This Auburn staff out recruiting, trying to put together uh, one of their first impressive classes in the Brian Harson era. Colt, what is your sense on this program as, as they kind of get set for year two of Coach Harson? With recruiting in mind, obviously, but also looking at other factors, what the team's going to have coming back in 2022 as well. Yeah, well, you know, you have you have your workhorse running back and Tank Bixby coming back. You lost Bo Nix, but you added Zach Calzada from the transfer portal at quarterback who had, you know, he was up and down at Texas A&M in his first year starting, um, but he had some really good moments, and, and you can see how he fits into what Brian Harson and Eric Tesaw, his his new offensive coordinator, want to do offensively. He's just a, a good scheme fit, and and me personally, I think that should work out pretty well. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, some of the spots you lost, there's still probably some depth concerns, maybe at edge, um, maybe an offensive line moving on to next year just because you have so many seniors. But they went ahead and got a few guys from the portal that that were important. You got, you know, Jason Jones from Oregon, defensive lineman, uh, DJ James from Oregon, a corner to kind of replace Roger McCreary because that's a lot of production that has to be replaced. And they went and found a guy who was very, very good in coverage uh, at Oregon. And he's from the state of Alabama. Same for Jason Jones. Um, so... I think it's interesting, too, that they have put such an emphasis on getting guys back to their home state. They really want to make an emphasis on the state of Alabama, and there's plenty of talent to go around, as you all know that. No doubt so, about that. Yeah, so the, so the portal the portal pickup so far, they have seven, um, I think have really helped fill out the depth. Probably looking still for another addition or two, maybe at receiver and edge. Uh, just because at edge you have you have Derek Hall, Eculiota, who are supposedly, you know, they should be pretty good in this upcoming season. But you you only have Dylan Brooks behind them, who doesn't have any experience yet. He has a lot of talent, but no experience. So that's that's the spot they want to fill. Um, I think other than that, everything with all the seniors coming back on the offensive line, they should be just as good or better as they were last year, and they weren't quite as bad as, as the narrative in my opinion and I, I study it pretty hard so uh, I think the outlook of the team right now just with just a couple of depth you know issues I think is pretty good I think they're in a good spot right now Tell us about this uh, recruiting call-in show you got coming up a little bit later here this idea seems awesome for our listeners to know again we're talking with Cole Pinkston of Auburn Live Yeah man that's that's been that's been a lot of fun you know I we haven't seen anybody do that, a recruiting call-in show. I hadn't uh, either. So, so that's where, where me and Jeffrey Lee and, and our producer, Zach McKinnell, we, we got together and, and said, look, you know, we have a lot of people that on that are subscribers to us and even those who aren't that love the podcast that we do weekly. And let's, let's start getting some callers in. So at 6.30 tonight, and we'll start doing it on Tuesday night, uh, we'll have a live show, and we'll post that on Twitter, me and at Jeffrey Lee, and uh, Auburn Live on three. The link will be there, and you just you just join in. We got a number to call, and we answer all your recruiting questions. Anything you got, and we're not afraid, man. You. you you hit us with whatever you got. We're going. We're going to answer. <laughs> That's awesome, Cole. We really do appreciate the time. Enjoyed our visit, and we're going to have to do this again sometime soon. Okay. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. All right, that's our buddy Cole Pinkston with Auburn Live and On3Sports.com joining us there on the show. Yeah, that idea 
Sounds really fun and exciting. A recruiting call-in show a little bit later tonight. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Cole Pinkston. Big story up right now on a new quarterback, potentially for the Auburn Tigers, as he's saying, Brock Glenn. Using that RPM, Auburn currently has a 99% chance of landing him. And yeah, that's right. You heard it correctly. His first given name is Auburn. Auburn Brock Glenn is his name. Going by Brock Glenn. And again, that's great insight and intel from our buddy Cole Pinkston, who joined us there on the program. Final break of hour number one. More sports call right after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. few moments of sports call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Ryan yeah. LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Did I say the show? Yeah, yeah. you said the final few moments of sports call. Uh-huh. Early show. Early show. Early show. <laughs> <laughs> of the first hour of the program, wow. I should say. We, uh, we will come back for hours two and three. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Uh, we're going to have Cole... Pinkston, we just had Cole Pinkston <laughs> on the show. Cole, come back. <laughs> JJ's going to take the rest of this hour off. I thought that uh, was a fever dream. We're, uh, we're going to have Justin Ferguson on the program coming up at 4.15. Central time. Yes, we'll have player of the week. That's in the second hour. A little bit later, and we'll continue our conversation about uh, various things going on in the program. I enjoyed that first time uh, t- chatting with Cole Pinkston on our show and uh, it's always good to kind of check in on recruiting a lot of people want to ask us questions about it's so hard to keep up with and that's why you got to respect the people that do that that get paid to do it because they're very good at following recruiting what matters what things mean and that sort of thing and so uh, it's always a good time of year when we can catch up with those guys yeah no, 100% because I, I think that with obviously where we are everybody is going to care about football year-round. Everybody's going to want updates on it year-round. And obviously there's times where even in the recruiting world, there's not a lot of hard evidence that stuff is going on because there's not a lot of commitments or visits and that sort of thing. But there's always movement behind the scenes. Unless it's a dead period, you're always still talking. You're still visiting high schools and that sort of thing and talking to kids and families. And and so there's always something going on. And, and we're going to get to a time of the year here, as, I, as we mentioned with Cole, you know, most recruiting classes only have single-digit numbers in it right now to talk about the hilarity of the rankings just because of the way the math works out and, and the amount of commitments. Right now, Vanderbilt is 35th. Clemson is 36th, and Alabama is 37th. 
Well, you, I promise you it's not going to finish that way. But for right now, you can screenshot it. Vanderbilt's yeah. out recruiting Clemson and, and even more importantly, Alabama. Uh, so it's it's early on in the process, which means because December is when we have the big party with, with signings pretty much, and it feels like nine out of ten kids have signed by the end of December. That means in the next six months, you're going to have seven months, you're going to have all the movement. And so it, it might be a little light this summer. But once you get into the fall and you get into the football season, they're going to come. They're going to come weekly, and and knowing who's in the lead now, and knowing what the targets are and what the emphasis emphasis is right now, that's what's going to give you the roadmap for what you're trying to accomplish in September, October, November, December. You're good at asking questions, and you asked a terrific one of Cole Pinkston a moment ago, Ryan, looking at uh, kind of looking at volume of positions. And, you know, it, it, you're right. Obviously, you're going to want to go after more offensive line than other position groups because you got five offensive line that are out there on the field right. at one time or another. But kind of where is Auburn at? And it is clear that the O-line has been a problem and that's something that needs to be fixed. And it seems as though that's something that the staff's trying to do. Right. It is an emphasis uh, right now based on what Cole is telling us. And uh, obviously, you know, you had so many guys come back on that offensive line that now you're going to have a lot of guys leave after next year. So you're going to have to start replacing more of those guys. And I think it is an interesting question because it's such a balance. You get so focused on one big player or one big battle. There's other guys you're talking to. And I'm always curious to see what they're telling the other guys. You know, every, everybody wants the five-star 340-pound alignment, or everybody wants the five-star corner that runs a 4-3. Everybody wants that. But there's other guys, and not everybody's going to get that. One, one team will get that. So these four-star guys that are still quality players, 150th best player in the nation, 200th best player, how, how heavily are you focusing on them? And then the high three-stars, number 340 in the country, that has a bunch of – high power five off offers what are you telling them while you're recruiting guys that are ranked higher yeah. than them so you always wonder you know how many guys are you realistically talking to and cole gave us the answer there's about 200 people right now on the offer more that's a lot of people still no kidding for about 25 scholarships or so so that you know that that is good intel to just know that yeah, it's gonna. There's still there's a lot of people you talk to that don't even really end up even being a factor. I mean, there's guys you would never even have heard about uh, right now um, that are amongst those 200 that Auburn's still talking to or evaluating at this point. That when it comes to October or November, you don't hear a lick about. Yeah, it is. It's. It, I've seen several different articles over the past years about different D one schools, how many offers sheets they send out every single year, to, and it's just it's astronomical how many offers are sent out there. Because you see it all the time on Twitter. You see the guys like Coles Pinkston and Jeffrey Lee from On Three, you know, retweeting all the different recruits and say, "Hey, got an offer from this school. Proud to receive this offer from X school." You, they, all those players are getting multiple offers, and all those schools are sending multiple, multiple offers to all these different kids. From 
around the country, and it's just astronomical to see how many numbers of offer sheets are sent out to all the different players around the country. And you know you're only going to get, what, 20-something a class? It's it's amazing. I, I don't know if I could ever do that type of work. You know, and that's the other thing that we talked about yesterday with uh, Smitty Grider a little bit is that you see a lot of people posting the offers that they get, but a school like Alabama is going to send you offers, but oftentimes it's not even a committable offer. It won't become a committable offer until you come on campus and let Alabama work you out so they could see you in person. So some people are sending out that they got offers, but the offers weren't really offers because they're not committable offers until they come on campus for them to actually become committable. I can't ever understand college football recruiting. That's why we talk to the people that know it well. Thanks again to Cole Pinkston for joining us on the show. The first hour of our program is over. We've got two hours left to go. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. 334-887-3401 is the phone number to call in and say hello to us. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer will join our show, talk about things going on in the world of Auburn athletics. We've got Player of the Week coming up, a nightly TV guide, several things to get into during today's show. Uh, what's exciting news for you on a Tuesday? Of course, listen to all your Atlanta Braves games on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. But tonight, Ronald Acuna Jr. returns. He had been out and injured for the Atlanta Braves, but Ronald Acuna Jr., number 13 for Atlanta, will lead off. He's the DH for the Braves tonight, and I am thrilled that he's uh, able to play and that it's not something more serious. Good to see him back in the lineup. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it was... Uh... Uh, a hamstring issue and if anyone watched the last game that he played in he was still moving fast but it was just weird it was i can't really describe to you it like a hitch in the step yeah um it, it just didn't look natural and it looked like he was d- nursing something and so i i'm not too surprised i guess that he ended up missing some games i'm glad he's back 
you know, this is why Atlanta wanted to be very cautious because so often when you have a major injury, when you're rehabbing and when you first come back, you put more stress on other bones and other ligaments and other joints that you don't necessarily is not necessarily natural because you trust the other part of your body more right so like when you've had a a really bad knee injury to the left knee you kind of favor the right knee a little bit more maybe lean on it a little bit more well that doesn't just affect your ligaments there can affect hamstrings and hips and, and everything like that and so that's why sometimes guys some guys are freaks in nature and they come back before the timetable, but that's why some teams are are very, very liberal about the timetable and that you're not going below that timetable because it, it's kind of said that you can just get other things injured. It's not necessarily that that injury isn't healed, but maybe your confidence in it is not all the way there or, or it's subconscious. And so I hope that's not happening with Ronald. You don't see it all the time. It's not every guy. It's a case-by-case basis. But you don't want to have said, well, Ronald came back a couple weeks sooner to Atlanta than he was supposed to. He came back at the end of April, so the 1st of May. And now he's kind of getting all these knick-knack injuries throughout the year that have seemingly nothing to do with the original ACL injury. But in reality, they are kind of – uh, collateral for the rehab process and, and not having maybe 100% same body movements you did before. I'm thrilled to see him back in the lineup leading off and, and, and playing and, and knowing that he's okay. But yeah, but yeah, that that seemed very doom and gloom. But but yes, for the moment, I'm I'm too glad that he's back in the lineup. And um, Atlanta has some issues to work through as a team. And I think the reality is, with Rosario out for as long as he's going to be out, if Acuna is not in this lineup, uh, the, the lineup is a little little thin at the moment with, with how these guys are playing. It shouldn't be. You know what everyone is capable of doing. But when you strike out 16 times like they did last night and get two hits – uh, that no, were the really the lost o- a one nothing ball game yeah, yesterday. Again, really the only thing they've done well offensively this year is hit home runs. I think they're now down to fifth in the league. So uh, this lineup has just not been able to to gather the chemistry yet, and it is still searching. So many people talked about the outfield a year ago for Atlanta. It was an outfield that was a kind of a patchwork group. At when Azuna is out of baseball uh, for off the field reasons, when Acuna tears his ACL, it's a Braves team that had the likes of Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler. All these big bats in the lineup contribute. This season, they had those big free agency questions to answer, plus Acuna coming back, plus Ozuna being reinstated by Major League Baseball. So between Ozuna and Travis DeMeritt, Adam Duvall, how would we assess the Braves' outfield in particular at this portion of the season? 
I think it's been fine. I don't think it's been anything to be, you know, excited about, over over the top excited about. Also, I don't think it's anything that's, you know, you look at the outfield and you just frown. You're like, oh, not that outfield. I think it's been fine. I think the bats that they've got out there have been fine. Ozuna's been fine defensively. I, I don't think he's been awful uh, defensively. He made some good plays last night in the in that game against the Brewers. Um, I, I just think that it, it's a team that – you know, you, you go into it, and it looked like they were turning a corner. Uh, the team as a whole, it looked like they were turning some sort of corner last week, the last two weeks when they had the, in that Mets and Brewers series. And then you split with the Red Sox, which was a little unfortunate. The Red Sox haven't been that great, so you wish you'd have swept that series. And then you come into uh, you come into the weekend, and the Padres just take you to the house, and you just there's you don't have an answer for it. You should have won uh, the the Saturday and Sunday games. You won the Saturday game. You should have won both the Saturday and Sunday games. But yeah. the the Padres just came in and did what they did, and now you need to recover against the Brewers when you got an important stretch coming up over the next week after they get done with the Brewers. You got two series against the Marlins, and then a series with the the Phillies coming up. That this Braves team, those are some important division. games games you got coming into it and um you know if if the outfield could continue to to uh work together as they have with Acuna coming back and continue to mesh well uh I think I think they've got the bats in the outfield to make some noise it's it's just going to be how how Acuna works back in with uh with DHing and playing in the outfield a little bit here we're nursing back from his injuries and then just unforeseen injuries like Ryan said right Uh, Atlanta they paid money to Eddie Rosario. You want Eddie Rosario, who was your NLCS MVP a year ago, to be healthy, and he was just horrendous to start the season. I mean, like, really, really, really oh, bad. Oh, 60-something, yeah. And now there's uh, a surgery that he's gone through, some vision uh, issues that he was experiencing, and he's away from the team. I mean, he's having to recover from that before he thinks about playing baseball again. Yeah, effectively, so far, and still early returns, we're about to hit the quarter pole, but Atlanta has made the worst possible decisions in the guys they did sign in the outfield. Because Rosario is not even available right now. Right. Well, you can th- throw out the fact he was two out of his first 30 or three out of his first 40, whatever it was. But he's not even available. And then they brought back Duvall, who's hitting 200 with only two or three home runs this year. Whereas, yeah, the other guys aren't tearing up. Solaire's hitting about 190, but he's got seven home runs at least. And he's playing. Jock Peterson hitting about 250 with six or seven home runs. And so it's not like anyone is just like playing MVP baseball of the outfield decisions they had to make. But nevertheless, if you're ranking how those four have performed, well, Rosario's obviously last. Mm -hmm. And then Duvall's got to be third because he's hitting for the same average Solaire is. Excuse me. But Solaire at least is putting up some power. Where Duvall, who's a 35 home run type of guy, has two or three home runs so far. So there's a lot that the Braves can improve. Like like their their guys are capable of way more. And that's obvious to everybody. Ozuna's capable of way better than two ten. Rosario got is capable of two hundred and forty points better than what he hit. And then Duval is capable of a lot more power than what he's shown so far. But the reality is at some point you gotta flip that switch and you got to flip it before it's too late to achieve your goals. So, Ryan, what we just heard there was, okay, one or two, Jock Peterson or Jorge Soler right now. I, 
I would say Jock okay. one. One yeah. Jock, Jorge yeah. Soler two, yep. three Adam Duvall, four yep. Eddie Rosario. Yep. Keep those four, yep. but now factor in Ozuna and Travis Demerit. Slide those guys in there. Um, <clears throat> Demerit would be Rosario is still six. Yeah, Rosario still last. <laughs> uh, Demerit would be up there. He he's unfortunately taken back to back offers. Which has dropped him from above 300 to I think 280. Still solid batting. I mean, I in this day and age of baseball, unfortunately, batting averages are going down. 280 is is more like a, a 295. Yeah. And, and Travis Demerit, a name by the way that we would have never expected right. to do anything for Atlanta this season. Um, I would take what Azuna's done over Duvall uh, from a bat standpoint. Duvall is still a better fielder. I did see the plays that Brooks was referring to last night where Ozuna made a couple of good glove plays. His arm is still the worst thing I've ever seen out in the <laughs> outfield. He he uh, throws a lollipop with cotton candy on top. Um, but uh, That's where your infielders have to help him out, too. you got to get him to be cut, you you gotta gotta go cut off way position. Out there. Yeah, way out there. He is not throwing that thing all the way to the dirt, I'll tell you that. Um, and so uh, from a bat perspective, I think Ozuna – is above Duvall, I would still not say above Solaire because, again, Solaire's had more power. And because Ozuna's first week and a half was great. He was hitting 350, hit a couple home runs. But since then, he's only hitting a couple more home runs. Uh, he had a big game-tying home run the other, uh, the other night, uh, go figure. But it's still hitting about 210. And then I'd take Demerit. Ooh. I think about Demerit over Solaire. Uh, I think Demerit's hit three home runs. I want to say hit sounds about right. Two eighty. Uh, to, to my knowledge, again, I've not been able to. One being I, I feel like the I park. haven't. I feel like I haven't seen much recently because of that Apple TV Plus <laughs> yeah. game and Peacock game, which I don't have either. So I didn't get to see either of those. And then because of the NBA and NHL playoffs, I've kind of watched some of those over the break. So I feel like I've. I've watched the less, even though I've seen a few innings here and there of each game, but I've not noticed Demerit make a poor play in the field. So I'd probably go Jock, then Demerit, then Solaire, then Azuna, Duvall, and Rosario. That'd that was a six. fun project. Yeah. I appreciate you for participating. Sure. Good work. Thank you. You're getting 100. Uh, let's right. go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer joins us next on Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. What a trio we've got here on this Tuesday. As uh, we're thrilled to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our very good friend, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, who's here with us on today's show. Ferg, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are y'all? Uh, I'm okay. I feel like you're avoiding the smoke. 
Uh, that would be NBA War coming your way because I did yeah. declare I would actually play you, and uh, I, I felt like that's what took place today. Next week. Next week. Okay. Me versus I, you I have, next I week. We're going to make it happen. What's up? I said me versus you next week. We're going to make it happen. Are you yeah. worried? No, not at all. Not <laughs> even a little bit. <laughs> you have yet to lose in any of uh, any of the war games that we put you through. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people have talent and other ones wish they did. I'm, I'm, one, of the, I'm one of the former. <laughs> oh, you're incredible. All right, so uh, let's catch up on what's kind of been going on this week inside Auburn Athletics. Of course, uh, we're at the portion of the season where uh, a lot of reflection that's going on with uh, the spring ball that we just went through. And I got to tell you, so much so, there's no greater evidence of, of what the offseason looks like than your headline that you ran with <laughs> today on The Observer, Ferg. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it was one of those weird things that I kept seeing. Uh, this thing called the Pythagorean expectation, uh, expected win, stuff like that. And I'm seeing it in NFL previews. I'm seeing it in NBA and NHL playoff uh, talk. I've seen it in baseball a ton. It's in fantasy baseball stuff all the time. And so I was like, well, I wonder, I wonder what that would say about uh, Auburn football this past year and what that could tell us moving forward. So that was that was the that was the crux of the newsletter today, you know. Um, and it ultimately comes down to the fact that yeah, Auburn had a tough season last year, uh, and they were six and seven. It was a losing season. Um, but if you're looking for optimism this year, um, I think there's some stats that point to uh, the fact that you could see where Auburn could progress this year. Even though it's going to be really challenging, the schedule gets tough and all that, but. Um, you know, there, there is a, there is some statistical evidence that you could see uh, why Auburn could be a better football team in 2022. Just if they flip a couple of things that are usually pretty flippable uh, in most in most stats. Let's keep the optimism conversation going here. I want to kind of go through a couple of position groups, Ferg, and you give me the uh, the, the most optimistic player you think uh, that the fans should be excited for for Auburn. Okay. Okay. So we look at that wide receiver room, a, a conversation that a lot of people want to talk about. We've asked you about it as well, but uh, optimism there in the wide receiver room, who stands out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're if you're looking for the wide receivers, I mean, you know you have Shedrick Jackson, you know you have Javarius Johnson. I, I think Javarius Johnson might be the one you should be the most optimistic about in the fact that the coaching staff, whatever they told him to get him to pull out of the transfer portal and come back, is pretty significant uh, because, you know, statistically speaking, last season he was Auburn's best deep ball receiver. He's a slot guy that split time with Kobe Hudson. Now, Kobe Hudson is no longer on the team anymore, so the path for more uh, you know, targets and more snaps is pretty clear for a guy like Javarius Johnson. Uh, and, you know, uh, traditionally, um, you know, offenses with Brian Harson and now uh, Eric Keesaw, who's now control at, uh, an offensive coordinator, use slot receivers a ton. Um, they've got a good track record with those guys. Uh, you know, Boise State just had Khalil Shakir get drafted uh, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, he was kind of the go-to slot guy uh, for Harson at, at Boise State. And I, I think, you know, that's a good uh, measurement for them. I think, you know, if Auburn's going to have success through the air this season, I think Javarius Johnson is going to have to be a huge part of that. And uh, if he can stay healthy, um, he's got everything you want in a, in a high-volume receiver. Offensive line, who's there to be most optimistic about? Um, you know, I, I think it's got to be Keandre Jones for me. Um, you know, no, 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 nothing to take away from uh, the seniors on the offensive line because, I mean, I think Auburn, any chance Auburn was going to have of having a decent offensive line this year was dependent on those guys coming back. 
Um, you aren't going to just hit big in the transfer portal, and you can't get like instant impact freshmen to play on the offensive line in the SEC more often than not. I mean, there's only been a handful of those ever uh, in the modern era. So you needed those guys to come back. But Keandre Jones, I think for my money, the last couple of seasons has been Auburn's best offensive lineman. Um, he is a bulldozer in the running game. I think he's gotten better as a pass protector these last couple of seasons. And the fact of the matter is he's got gears of eligibility remaining. Um, you know, he is not, you know, definitively done after this year now. He has a really good year and the NFL comes calling, he could be on his way up. But uh, he's such a he's such a good player, um, and such a stable guy uh, at guard for Auburn, um, that, you know, I think yeah, you just look at this, the recruiting rankings. There, they just weren't very many four-star and five-star offensive linemen that have signed with Auburn in the last five years or so. Calvin Jones is one of them, and I think he's lived up to those expectations. Defensive line, what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to go anywhere but Colby Wooden, right? Um, you know, there's a stat from Pro Football Focus this week uh, that was showing that, you know, Colby Wooden led the SEC defense tackles in both uh, uh, pass uh, pressures, quarterback pressures, and run stops. Um, he is one of the best two-way defensive linemen in college football last year. I think he's going to be that again this year. I think he's very Marlon Davidson-ish in terms of you know his impact uh, as a as an interior lineman. Uh, I think he could you know be a first rounder if, if things click well. If if not, a really high second rounder or third rounder next year. Um, he came back for a reason. He, he played awesome last season, and um, you know he he's got the best I think all SEC type of talent uh, of anybody in that on, on that defense. Do you think Auburn's roster is pretty much shaped up for the 2022 season, or do you think there could be some more additions? Yeah, there could be some more additions. They're pushing after some guys on the defensive line and JUCO and the transfer portal. I think they just want to beef up the depth there because of all the guys they left uh, that, that left. Uh, I think they could use another wide receiver if they could get one in the portal. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to get like a ton of like you know, massive uh, program-changing types of talent at this point in the year. That's just not what it's not what this time of year provides in the transfer portal uh, very often. So uh, I, I just think it's depth that they need moving forward. Um, and, you know, maybe a wide receiver who's got some more experience that can just plug and play into the system. Last, uh, last week, Julian Phillips commits to Tennessee over Auburn, a guy Auburn made a late push for. So that means Auburn still has – uh, one scholarship for the basketball team. Uh, what, what, in your estimation, Ferg, would be the best way to use that scholarship? Yeah, find somebody who has shooting guard or small forward versatility. Probably more of the, the former. Um, get somebody who's a little bit bigger uh, that can play guard or the shooting guard. Help out with Katie Johnson um, and, and Chance Westry, and some of those guys are going to have to play that role this year. And uh, get get some three point shooting ability uh, there. You know, you can't bank on a guy in the portal just. Just because he shot well in the you know at his previous school doesn't mean he's necessarily going to shoot the same way at, at Auburn. I think Katie Johnson and Wendell Green were good examples of that last year. But um, you could you could use some help there. I just think you know you feel good about your front court. You feel good about your point guard situation. Um, Fallon Flanagan is is you know firing on all cylinders. That's a really good three to build around. I think Westry is going to be a huge pickup for him this year. Um, I just think that they could probably use a little bit more guard depth. Uh, some two, some two, three versatility there would be good, and that's where you know they didn't get Julian Phillips, and he would have been a big pickup. But I think getting someone who can play more of that guard role would would would, would have been a better uh, use of that scholarship, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that here. 
So with the NBA draft lottery tonight, Ferg, obviously Jabari Smith has the opportunity to potentially be a number one overall pick. If you're an Auburn fan and you simply just want Jabari Smith to be the number one overall pick, you don't necessarily care about organizational fit or what would give him the best chance necessarily, uh, what team do you think would most likely want Jabari Smith, uh, number one, say, over Chet Holmgren? Yeah, I think if you look at the the – teams that have the best odds coming in tonight. Uh, Detroit and Houston are kind of neck and neck with me as teams that would really, really like them. The thing there is that you know, Chet Holmgren, um, you know, it's just going to be a matter of like what team just values him uh, and just thinks that, hey, he might be a little skinny right now, but you know he, he's got so much versatility to his game that we like him and we'll take a chance on him. Um, Houston really needs a power forward. They really need a big man, period. They could go with Holmgren, but you feel like, uh, especially with what they have in Christian Wood, uh, that Jabari Smith would pair a lot better with him there. Then you'd have a backcourt that, you know, you've got uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and then obviously Jalen Green and, uh, you know, um, a number of those guys, Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, Josh Christopher. This is a really good uh, young backcourt that they're trying to build around. Uh, in Houston, but they were they were really bad last year, and um, you know they could just use they shot a ton from deep, but didn't hit very many. So I think Jabari would kind of plug in there, and then Detroit I think is is, is the other really good option just because um, you would pair him right away, Jabari right away with an elite you know playmaker. Uh, you know, Kate Cunningham, number one pick last year, was really good, really good rookie season for him. I think he finished third in rookie of the year voting. Um, you know had a great season. They've got Isaiah Stewart at the five. Uh, that they like. They've got some wings. Um, Jeremy Grant uh, can give him some legs. But, like, you feel like if you want to modernize that front court in Detroit and give Jabari, like, the best kind of player ability, you know, to pair with right away, it would be Detroit. Orlando's the one that is just kind of iffy to me. Not because Orlando couldn't use him. Uh, Orlando was a terrible jump-shooting team last season, and Jabari's obviously that's what he's really good at. Um, but – I think a couple of things to keep in mind with them is they've got some power forwards. They got some three fours that they like, um, you know, young guys, including Chumo Kiki, uh, as one of them and the Wagners, uh, as well. They kind of ran a twin tower lineup last season, a lot in the front court. Um, but one of the, the one, of the, the thing about Orlando, that I think is maybe if they get number one overall, they go Chet Holmgren. You've got to keep in mind that, uh, Jalen Suggs, um, you know, played played AAU, played high school ball with with uh, with Chet Holmgren. And they could very much use a a more kind of flexible center than than some of the big guys they've got on their roster right now. So, if Orlando gets number one overall, I think that's probably the most likely team to jump uh, Jabari and, and get Chet at number one overall. But I do think if it's Detroit or Houston or any of those other high lottery teams. I think Smith would be in a really good spot. Justin Ferguson is here with us on the program right now at AU on Twitter. The Auburn Observer set a career high this week with a 95-minute long podcast on episode number 178. It's crazy how well this thing is doing, Ferg. So happy to see the success of the Auburn Observer. If people are listening to us chat with you for the first time, how can they sign up and be a part of the fun? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, it is a newsletter that comes out about three or four times a week on Auburn football and men's basketball. We also do a couple podcasts per week as well. You get pretty much something every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Central Time in your email inbox if you sign up. AuburnObserver.com. It's $6 a month to $60 a year for a full subscription. Or if you want to try us out, it's uh, we've got a seven-day free trial. Just go to AuburnObserver.com. 
uh, click around there and you'll be able to sign up very, very easily. Looking forward to our NBA war match next week. We'll talk to you then, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. That's Justin Ferguson joining us on the program there. Really good stuff from him. We'll continue our conversation about all things Auburn athletics and everything else going on in the wide world of sports when we come back in just a moment. This is Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 the program you're listening to sports call tiger 95.9 fm a little bit later this week auburn softball heading to clemson south carolina i'll be on the call with Britt bowen for those games friday's game scheduled to start around 1 30 central time so that very much could affect the show on friday uh it'll be yes. on after <laughs> the game is over uh or not it depends on how long that game goes and, and clemson and uncw playing before auburn takes on louisiana but uh yeah we'll have updates for you with that one public apology um last tuesday the day before auburn played in the sec tournament i said that auburn would delay the show but not worry we would have some form of a show (laughs) we did not end up having a show i apologize this apology is coming a week late a week late i'm doubling down (laughs) there is no way that once again the entire show will get canceled on friday (laughs) they should be playing at 130 the clemson game will probably be a run rule game auburn will play around 130 start time even if it takes two and a half hours all, we should get a, a broadcast, a, a sports call show starting at some point, probably in the four o'clock hour. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about these broadcasts that we're having because uh, it's the best time of year. Really loving this Auburn softball team. Love getting to work with Britt Bowen. Uh, Steve made comments about how much he enjoyed listening to me on the call for uh, Auburn softball. You guys are listening to uh, to me all the time and that sort of thing, uh, and you're hearing the claps from time to time. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cl- Clapper. Like even when you're not, are you serious? Like even when you're not physically there in the booth with me, you can hear that from time to time. Unless a fan teleported right behind the uh, headset and uh, yeah, just started. I'm, uh, I'm known to do. I, I just you get into it. I, I really get into it. I love that team. I've seen you work. Too. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I mean, well, because like also like. We obviously spend so much time in work, out of work, 
that I know you pretty well, right? right. right. Was that fair? Yeah. Did I know you well. No doubt. So I know when you have a little extra edge or get a little extra excited and that sort of thing. And I can attest, like, this guy is living and dying on the bottom of the sixth inning down a run, <laughs> like, with two runners on base. Like, he's living and dying with these uh, softball with the softball team with these games so it's it's funny you say that too though but getting so into it uh during a lot of my play-by-play i'm known to say go Bree, come on whoever you know if, if it's if it's aspen come on aspen whoever it may be batting for the tigers adding that and, and truly being a, a fan for people that enjoy listening to it and again getting to interact with people that listen is uh, so much joy and pleasure but the clapping element like i can remember from third fourth fifth grade whenever it was like my mom telling me my whole life that she could listen to any clap in the world and know which one was mine that it's that distinct and that apparently have a loud very loud (laughs) i mean do you feel like you could do that I've gotten borderline headaches just you, because of... You have a sample of claps, and you might be able to tell oh, which yeah. one was... it's the loud one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, you, you make good hand-to-hand contact, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't even have to wind up. It's not even like a big right. clap. It's just, just, yeah. That was you, though. Yeah. Makes a good yeah. pop. Yep. Yeah, there listen to that. You, you tell me if your ears are okay after you <laughs> <Yeah>. hear that. <laughs> I did that right by the mic, too. This exactly. Is this is fun. Uh, all right, so a big week in the sports world because we got NCAA softball regionals. We've got the conference finals for the NBA taking place. We've got the NHL second-round playoffs going as well. And at some point this week, we're hoping to chat with uh, one of the reporters from the Washington Post. The Washington Post does such a good job of uh, coordinating with sports call Auburn to give us national reporters. We've mentioned our relationship with the late, great John Clayton that's formed over the years. But the PGA Championship starts on Thursday. And the pairing to open up the PGA Championship is Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Jordan Spieth. The internet is freaking out. We're all excited. Brooks, this is just an unbelievable pairing for the second major of the year. I'll tell you what, it kind of snuck up on us, too. It, it the, did. The, I just realized the PGA Championship was this week, yesterday, and it's like, hey, guess what? Because uh, And the only reason I saw it was because uh, they said Bryson DeChambeau was traveling to see if he was going to get a, have a go in the tournament after uh, having some surgery over the last few weeks. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good pair. It's, the, it's Tiger versus the two most recent guys that have said these guys are the next Tiger Woods. That, that's basically what it is. Is Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Jordan Spieth are the guys that the two latest guys in the uh, in the golf world that folks have deemed oh they're the next Tiger Woods after a really really strong start and they kind of fizzled a little bit. They're still very very good golfers, very very good competitors. They're going to be some of the all time greats, but they're not going to hit that that Tiger Woods level uh, at the pace they're going right now. But it's just it's a really really fun group now. You know, first two days of the the tournament, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if the all three of these guys are going to make the cut. You don't know if you know just one of them is going to make the cut. You don't know what's going to happen. But for those first three days, it's going to be really really fun group to watch. And I'll tell you, I, I think that's probably going to be the biggest draw group of the weekend. Even even once you get to Sunday, uh, I think that that pair that that grouping right there is probably going to have the most people walking around the the course out in Tulsa uh, around them. Well, and, and I would find it hard pressed to find someone more popular than those three. Yeah, I mean, obviously Tiger's one, 
um, and, and Phil would be two if he were participating. But if you're talking about the players at this tournament. Great point. Like, then, what are the popular player right, rankings right then, now in the sport? I can't, like, there's other guys that you could argue are as good or better than Spieth, especially, but maybe McElroy and, you know, whatever, like, like John Rahm, for instance, Justin, uh, Justin Thomas. But I don't think anyone has the follow. Obviously, no one has following a Tiger, but I, I think Spieth would probably be the second most popular golfer in this field. And then I would think McElroy might be the third. I, a lot of people care about what Rory does. Um, and, it, and it stems from the fact that Brooks is talking about, we were talking about this before the show as well, that um, you know it is the guys that were supposed to be the next Tiger because they got off to such great young starts in their career. Now, obviously, they did not sustain it. They are not Tiger Woods, but they are Hall of Fame golfers still. They didn't fall off the face of the earth. And so they still have large followings compared to the rest of the field. So there's going to be an absorbent amount of people watching that group. And I'm here for it because sometimes tournaments like to spread the love around, right? If you've got popular golfer one, two, and three, you want to spread those pairings out a little bit time-wise and on the course so that you always have some traffic throughout the various points of the course. But I think it's good for golf to have the occasional lineup like this, to have the best players, the most likable or, or most popular players together, and especially given the fact we just don't know how many more times we'll see Tiger Woods. Um, you know, he is on this comeback tour right now because he's, again, cheated death or at least cheated injuries that could have ended his career and, and so given that i believe he's 46 now given all the toll on his body given he, he does have kids uh, you know I, and, and also given his competitive nature tiger at 55 ain't playing golf anymore i'm sorry not but not on the not competitive he is not going to do the victory lap tour where he shoots about eight over par has no chance to win and feels great about himself he makes the cut he's not doing that that's never been tiger woods mantra if you ask him i, I if you ask him even to this day if he can win this golf tournament, it might not be as demonstrative of a yes as it used to be, but he's going to tell you he wouldn't play if he didn't think he could compete. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know how much longer we'll have a Tiger. And so anytime that he plays, you need to take advantage of that, whether that's putting a great pairing around him, showcasing him, showing all of his shots, whatever it needs to be, because no one has ever moved a needle in a sport more than Tiger Woods has moved the needle in the sport of golf for the last 20 years. The PGA Championship this week, 2022, Thursday and Friday from 2 until 8 Eastern time. That's 1 to 7 Central on ESPN. Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and 1 to 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS. ESPN will air an alternate telecast of the tournament hosted by Joe Buck, who's new to the network after years at Fox Sports, and golf analyst Michael Collins. A number of guests are slated to stop by, including Peyton and Eli Manning, Troy Aikman, Josh Allen, Charles Barkley, Fred Couples, John Hamm, and Doris Burke. Also, a good set list. to be a part of ESPN's coverage. It, it is that's a bit Joe Buck's ESPN debut publicly for an event that he's got a microphone in front of him. That that's a little bit of everything, but only one of those is a golf name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that. I, you know that, that's that's. I the think kind people of fun like stuff, that though. Yeah, because you know with golf, 
there's there's not a whole lot of people that think football's boring, right? There's not a whole lot of th- people that think basketball's boring. Uh, but there's a lot of people that think golf is boring. Even people that play it will sometimes admit it can be boring. Um, and so you don't need two broadcasts to tell you what's going on golf-wise. You, 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 the stories that you can get – and look, by the way, having someone like Charles Barkley on, that's going to just be great because he has played golf in a very funny fashion before, uh, very poorly. And so he's going to have some great stories. But, you know, I think the real thing here we're not talking about is that did Fox lose Joe Buck because they don't have golf? Because they had a U.S. Open for a couple years and they kind of opened the Joe Buck golf train. Joe Buck realizes, hey, I like doing golf. And then Fox had such terrible coverage of it, they lost the contract immediately back to NBC. And uh, I'm just being funny of course uh he's making more money at espn to do less games that seems like a good money to work ratio but (laughs) but uh but it's gonna be funny because joe buck just sounded so different doing golf and just the whole presentation of it at fox was so so weird that uh they lost that contract so quickly did you remember all the names I just said of who's going to be? This is uh, from the Washington Post. We're hoping to chat with uh, Matt Bonesteel a little bit later in the week. I know you said uh, John Ham. Let's see if you guys can get all the names together. Doris Burke. Yep. Peyton Eli Manning. Yep. Uh, yep. Fred Couples, because he's the only golf name. Correct. Barkley. Correct. Michael Collins was with him. Right? Yep. And then there's you, one you more. There's one more non-golf name. That's a football name. Uh, Josh Allen. Josh yep. Allen. Ugh. Did you say Troy Aikman? No, no we didn't. Okay, but yeah. But Tro- we assume that Joe and Troy. Wherever Joe together, is, yeah. Troy Aikman. Yeah, after because I was worried that Troy maybe didn't like Joe anymore because uh-huh. he was the first the one first to one agree to deal yeah. with ESPN. And then when Joe came along to him, like they really probably. Well, how about are the internet friends. also looking out for Aaron Andrews, right? Because she was a part of the broadcast group, and now that yesterday for the first time. Aikman and Buck were at the Bristol, Connecticut ESPN studios. They're like, wait, well, they left Aaron Andrews. Oh, oh. Yeah, you yeah. know, EA used to be in Bristol, right? Yeah, and still does Dancing with the Stars work. Does she? Doesn't she? Uh, she didn't last with the can't season. Comment on that. Did she not? No. Okay. Because it was. Because uh, I was about to say, but even while she was, even while she was doing Fox stuff, yeah. she was still doing ABC Dancing with the Stars. She was still with Disney. Yeah. Tyra Banks was the host this year. Okay. Yeah, I can't I, I mean, great that Suni did a good job last year, but I don't ever watch Dancing with the Stars, so. It's Matt James. Uh, Tulsa's Southern Hills hosting a major championship for the eighth time and the PGA Championship for a record fifth time. This year's tournament was uh, originally scheduled to be held at the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, but was moved to Southern Hills in January 2021. Par 70 course that opened in 1936 and renovated in 2019. You know how long the tour is, or how long the course is? Um, Couldn't tell you. I didn't guess like seventy four hundred yards. The guys are wizard. The last time they hosted the tour at Southern Hills, uh, the PGA Championship at Southern Hills was two thousand and seven. The course will play at seven thousand three hundred and sixty five yards. Yeah, well, I mean, I love to 
hype myself up. Yeah, you know, I just I, I knew they extended the 14th a little bit and uh, all that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the reality is most most pro courses play between a 700, 700 or 800 yard barometer. I mean, not many. They don't go to 8,000. They don't really go below 7,000 unless it's TPC Sawgrass, which even that I think they've extended in recent years. So that it's a pretty small window. It's not going to be like 5,000 yards. It's not going to be like eight. If it was 8,700 yards, even DeChambeau wouldn't be able to be getting to greens in a reasonable fashion. So, And what would a 5,000-yard course look like? Uh, well, you'd still shoot a buck 50. <laughs> um, but uh, everybody would be hitting every hole in almost one shot, essentially. Even par fives would only be like 300 yards. We joke how atrocious my golf game is. But he's got a little goofy game to him as well. Okay, but he still kind of knows what he's doing. Like he knows how the how the, the ball works for him. But the of him. I okay. I you got to get around. Uh, he still knows what he's doing though. You don't know where the ball's going. He knows where it's going. He's just trying not to have yeah. it go as too far. And he's far. bringing out a driver on par threes and just if it works, <laughs> it works. You can't even hit the ball solid. At least he's hitting it solid. I've got your back. I'm going half speed, and it's hitting the green, so. It's true. Well done. Make a par, JJ. They won't talk. (laughs) I enjoyed that. Good conversation. All right, we finished the first two hours of our show today. One hour left to go. Alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We're having a blast on this Wednesday. If It's Tuesday. What day is it? It's, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, 334-887-3401. Or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 After this hour... The next time you'll hear my voice will be on Wednesday. That's correct. Okay, just will wanted to make here? sure. Yes, I will. All right. I will. I will. I Change your departure schedules. plans. I'll be leaving first thing Thursday morning. Okay. Early departure time on Thursday morning. Just making sure you can keep between the navigational beacon. I won't. I won't wake you up. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll, uh, I'll let you keep sleeping. I need my beauty sleep. I won't give you a phone call and and. Uh, could you imagine? I leave my place. You're over at your place, Brooks, and I just give you, hey, Brooks, just want to let you know it's early and I'm heading out. It w- wouldn't put it past you. Yeah, I've gotten true. some calls from you at some strange hours. True. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, yeah, Auburn softball takes on Clemson in the regional. Uh, their first game will be against Louisiana. Clemson will play the University of North Carolina, Wellington. And then later today, Auburn's going to play Samford at the Hoover Met. As we talked about with Kevin Ives yesterday, 
Auburn uh, is excited about this. Sonny DeShera, Brooks Carlson get to go back and play their old team. They already played them once this season at Plainsman Park, but now they get to play uh, back in Birmingham with uh, against Sanford one final time. Auburn did uh, for a moment contemplate okay whether or not we cancel this game. That's serious. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball talked about it, and this will hurt Auburn's RPI. There is no way around it. They can win this game by a score of 45-0. to zero. The moment this game is played, it is going to hurt Auburn's RPI. It is a stupid rule. You should never be penalized for winning a baseball game or a game of any variety. That's why at the basketball level, they created the net rankings because of some formulas that were in place there with the RPI. But nonetheless, this game will be played, and you can listen to it on FM Talk 93.9 beginning at 545. Andy Burcham will have the call alongside Brad Law and then Auburn takes on Kentucky in Lexington Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Well, I think it's still a good thing to, to play this if you're the Auburn Tigers because you're playing this, like you said, at the Hoover Met. It's kind of an SEC tournament preview. Next week, you're going down there. After this weekend, you go on a road trip to Lexington. And the next week, you hit the SEC tournament next week at the Hoover Met. And so this gives your guys a preview game of what it's going to be like hitting in this ballpark. Some of these guys have never played in this ballpark. Some of these guys have never played uh, in the SEC tournament. So you, you put them into a position where even though you're going to lose some RPI rankings, you're going to lose some RPI standings, which, uh, like you said, is a stupid rule, and, and that's why basketball went to the net and everything. But it's a it's a good opportunity for this Auburn baseball team to go into the, the Hoover Met and get your bats uh, bats and, and your outfielding, too, so, uh, your fielding, because you, know, you kind of know the dimensions around the ballpark. You know how far the, the – the, uh, the wall is from the foul line, you know, how, how deep the corners are, where you need to, you know, how deep the, the gaps are. Um, and, and so you get out there, you play a game in there, so you get ready for next week. And when you go into that SEC tournament, nothing really surprises you. And I, I think that's really, really good. And you get some of your bigger bats, i.e. a, a Rambush, a Brody Moore, a Sonny Deshera, uh, a Case and Howell, Brooks Carlson, Bobby Pierce. You get them kind of acclimated to hitting in that environment, getting what the backdrop is and everything. So you're, like I said, you're not surprised going into that SEC tournament next week yeah i think it is unfortunate that it hurts the rpi ranking but i don't like that as an excuse to say we shouldn't play because we we obviously have seen well i think it's no secret there's a few teams handful of teams across the country that have canceled their midweek games this week uh that's not the spirit of competition and by the way the rpi all it does is it just kind of measures out of different metrics and that sort of thing and so basically it ends up hurting because of the where Sanford is uh, and it ends up hurting because other teams maybe don't have as weak a game like if Auburn played Sanford I, I these are just I, I don't know if they're do you know what they exactly they are in RPI right now they're fifth fourth sixth third 18th fourth last time I checked okay. yeah so obviously they weren't 18th that's where most pundits have them polled at but and so say they're fourth okay uh, Brooks is looking this up right now. We'll do a, we'll do a real, realistic exercise. Auburn, here. as of yesterday, is fifth in RPI in the country. Uh, who's sixth? Sixth is Dallas Baptist University. Good for Dallas Baptist. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so let's say Auburn, who is fifth, plays the number one fifty team in RPI. Okay, and say I, I'm not saying that is Samford. I don't know where they are in RPI. Just using numbers. Guess who's one fifty? 
No. It's Samford. No. Yep. <laughs> I shot that straight out, out of the thin air. They are, oh, they are my goodness. 150 in RPI currently. And if I were to add a little footnote here uh-huh. to our conversation, that's only going to matter to the three of us and people that I know that are listening to this program. Uh-huh. Would you be okay with that? Or yeah. are you going to forget your thought exercise? No, I will not. Yeah. Okay. Dallas Baptist. Uh-huh. I have a very personal best friend who used to be a bullpen catcher for the DBU baseball team. It's not Casey Zager. It, it is Casey, it is Casey Zager. Zager. Yeah. Well done. I just wanted to make All sure right. you guys uh, remembered that right now. Shout out to Casey Zager. Okay, continue. So Auburn playing Sanford, who conveniently is, I swear on the stack of Bibles, did not know they were 150. But the number five team here in RPI playing 150. Let's say Dallas Baptist, who is number six, played whoever 151 was. Well, then Auburn would not necessarily drop because you're factoring in who everyone's playing, how it matters with strength of schedule, how it matters with quality of record, and all these different metrics. And so it's just simply that whatever the situation is, um, you know, or, or however it affects adversely your strength of schedule, there, there's a lot of numbers that go into it. And so it's unfortunate that it is going to hamper them, and it is unfortunate that they might – drop a spot or or have their rpi hurt a little bit but i think if everyone's obsessing that much over one midweek game look auburn determines if auburn has a good series against kentucky or auburn goes on a deep sec tournament run i their their rpi will be improved because of that and they'll have nothing to worry about so uh i I don't get the all this craze you're playing one out of 60 you play about 60 baseball games. If, if one game in the midweek, late in the season, as long as provided that you win it, if, it lo- if you lose it, sure, I'm all for that hurting you a little bit. But if, if they take care of business and, and beat Sanford, you can't worry about if it changes the RPI spot or two. Because, again, this is the SEC. You'll have opportunities. You do a, a good job in the SEC tournament. And, by the way, what we really need to be talking about with the, with the, with the baseball team, and I know we will later in the week, but if they win two out of three against Kentucky, uh, I believe my math's correct. They locked themselves into a top four seed in the SEC tournament, which means they locked themselves into the double elimination part of the tournament. And, and that is a big goal. And I think for that right there shows you what we're talking about with this Auburn baseball team. If you can beat 10 SEC schools, nine or 10 SEC schools, uh, I think you not only deserve the host a regional, but will definitely be in consideration to be a top eight seed and, and possibly be a super host as well. Great time of year for this Auburn baseball team. Went to the College World Series in 2019 and are trying to make a deep postseason run again here this season in 2022. Also, if Auburn's able to take two out of three against Kentucky, they would assure themselves of their most SEC wins in over a decade since 2010. Not a lot of people talking about about the success of the Sovereign baseball team right now. And we need to be because they have been that good and that special. Really amazing stuff. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 Coming up on tomorrow's show, our buddy Lindsey Crosby, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast.
podcast is going to be in studio with us. He's actually going to come by, visit in studio, and be on the show. We'll be able to talk a lot about baseball, and he does Auburn baseball coverage for AuburnDaily.com, so you have that to look forward to on tomorrow's program. Yesterday, we talked about this headline on the show. Got a little bit of a reaction. I want to come back to it with you guys and let you guys chime in. On3sports.com, current FBS coaches have been in their jobs for an average of just 3.7 years. Current FBS coaches have been on in their jobs for an average of just 3.7 years. 131 FBS coaches, your three longest tenured head coaches, are Iowa's Kirk Ferentz, Utah's Kyle Whittingham, and Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy. There were 28 new coaches in 2016. You guys know how many of those coaches still remain in their jobs? 28 in 2016. In their current Six jobs? Six years later, how many remain in their current jobs? Oh, I don't know. Gosh. Um, That's too many to know which yeah. hires were yeah. made. Yeah. Only eight. Wow. Eight? Okay. Well, thanks for letting Brooks guess, but oh. <laughs> on his behalf. It's crazy. I mean, the, the turnovers get wild. <laughs> yeah. On average, coaches have been at their jobs for 3.7 years. What do you think of this? That feels right because you're you're kind of the average is kind of bordering on that four year where you 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 would want them to be because you always you know you would want them to <clears throat> have at least a, get a full recruiting class in, and that's about that average of 3.7 is bordering line in that four years. You're getting a full recruiting classes in. You're getting all your guys in there. Now, what brings that average down is you're getting some guys that are pulling the trigger a little bit uh, quicker than others, where you see some you don't see the improvement right away. And I think that's what you've gotten to the point where uh, it's it's a lot of. Um, Instant gratification is what you're looking for when you hire a new coach. You're not necessarily looking for a coach to come in and knock the socks off the college football world and you know compete for a national title that first year. But it's gotten to the point where just with with America as a culture, <clears throat> excuse me, America as a culture, you want something that's going to get eyes on your program quick. And if you don't see improvements within a year or two, there's some athletic directors that are going to say, all right, let's go ahead and pull the plug here. I don't see what I what I like. Let's move on. And especially if you're in a bigger conference and you're going up against a, a tenured coach, like we'll, we'll say the SEC, when you, you've got a coach coming in and you're going up against a Nick Saban every single year and you're not gaining any sort of ground on them, that's that's a big problem when you see that other the other team winning all these titles and everything and you don't see any ground covered that's going to take that's going to take away from what you deem as a successful head coach and then you're going to pull the trigger a little bit quicker. Let me add one note and then we'll get a comment from Ryan Lavoy again 28 new coaches in 2016 only 8 remain in those jobs current FBS coaches have been in their jobs for an average of just 3.7 years 131 FBS schools only 6 schools have a coach who has been there for 15 years or longer. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa for 23 years. Kyle Whittingham for 17 seasons. Mike Gundy for 17 seasons. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern for 16 seasons. Rick Stockstill at Middle Tennessee State for 16 seasons. Air Force's Troy Calhoun for 15 seasons. And Alabama's Nick Saban for 15 seasons. Uh, that article doesn't happen to mention how many coaching hires there were last year, do they? I can find it for you. Okay, because I want to. I want to. If this 
data is, is here. I want to be able to, to use it. 22 changes in 2019. <clears throat> Let me see if I could find 2021. That was quite a few. I know. Uh, well, it feels like there always is. I guess the point I'm going to make while JJ tries to find a concrete answer is it feels to me that you're going to always have 20 to 25 job changes now. Uh, that's That feels like the nature of it. And my point is, if you have that... 29 FBS jobs changed this year. Okay, so even more than that. But let's just let's just take a nice round number of 25. You said 22 and 19, 29 and 20. So that's 51. That averages out 25 and a half. Let's just take 25. If you have 25 coaches new a year, well, no one is really getting fired after one year. So if you think about it, you're going to have a roughly 50 coaches with either zero years at that current job or one year at all times. So that number is not really ever going to change a lot. If anything, it might ultimately go down once a couple high-tenured guys get out because, again, these schools aren't getting more patient. They're right. becoming less patient. And so you, <laughs> Isn't that true? If you, look, if you just want to look at our conference, if you just want to look at the SEC – and do this exercise. We'll start. We'll go east to west. Well, I wanted to do this exercise because I had the number oh, really? in front of me. Oh, yeah? And I wanted to ask you guys the question, but okay. then I was going to make the comment that Ryan Lavoy is going to want to do the exercise out loud and not give me a quick reaction and a guess. He's going to want to do the math with Brooks. But I've got the number printed <laughs> here in the story. The story again on 3.com. Uh, 14 SEC schools the number of coaches that have been at their current school for three or less years. Let's just break it was out. the headline. Right. So let's start Three or less years. Start on the East. Right. Georgia, most tenured, okay? That's been there three or less years. Yes. All right. So not Kirby. Florida. Florida one. Missouri. Yep. Drinkwood's entering his third, I believe. Tennessee. Yep. Heupel. Yep. Vandy. Lee. South Carolina. Yep. And Stoops been there a while. So five of the seven yeah. meet that criteria. West, Harson. Yep. Um, Kiffin. Kiffin, Leach. Yep. Pittman. Yes. Kelly. Yes. Um, obviously not Saban and then or Jimbo. Not Jimbo. So, again, five of the seven you in each correct. division. You were correct. Ten of the 14 SEC coaches have been at their school for three or four And three even years. someone like, like Jimbo, that's not a very long time. What was yep. it? Uh, 16, 16 yeah. 17 his first year. One of the that. two. So we're only talking about five or six years of Jimbo. It's not been an eternity. Uh, Kirby would be about that. I think Kirk, what what would Kirby be on? Would he be on about six or seven by now? Um, and, and then Saban's been there a long time. You said 15 years for him. Fisher's first year was 18. Okay, so that's only five. The average for the SEC right now is four when you factor in Nick Saban's 15, okay. and then you've got Mark Stoops at nine. Kirby was Smart was 16. So And so Kirby's about seven years, six years. So, yeah, I mean, you really don't have uh, – you have one outlier, essentially. Yeah. You, everyone else is under 10 years. Everyone else. It's just Saban, uh, which he'll be there until he wants to retire. And so he'll he'll keep kind of he'll keep trying to pull the SEC's average for a little while, but again these schools aren't getting more patient. And if we're already having, and I'm not trying to go down this rabbit hole, I'm just simply saying the nature of it. If we're already having conversations after one year about the job security of Brian Harson, 
and trying to figure out what he has to do to be safe for a third season, again, it's proof no one's patient. And no one and, and and all these schools that think they can win are not patient. And so you're gonna have situations where I again I'm telling you, this average it ain't gonna go drastically up. If anything, it's gonna start. It's gonna continue to fade down. It can't fade too low. You know, it's not gonna go to like two. Yeah. Because there's gonna be somebody like da- like the next guy would be Dabo, right? Like Shirley Dabo, unless he bolted to the NFL or unless Alabama staged a coup when Saban retired. Dabo ain't leaving Clemson, um, and they ain't firing him. So you know, there's always gonna be somebody to help try and pull that average up and it's not why well, it's not going to be minuscule but again you go back to what i said if you got 25 new coaches each year you won't have at least 50 with zero or one years every single year because you're not firing guys after one year very often is your vision good enough to read the top 10 right here yes it is uh so you go through it. You, well, you already went through a lot of these. Ferentz is one at twenty three. I went through the top six. Right, Gundy at seventeen, Whittingham at seventeen, Fitzgerald and um, Stockstill at sixteen, and then right, Cal- Calhoun. Calhoun and Saban at fifteen, and then you got uh, Ken Niamalolo at fourteen of Navy. Dabo there, so there he is. He's up there now, thirteen years, and David Shaw, who I would tell you is any year could get fired. I, it's, it's 11 they, seasons at Stanford. David Shaw's low-key kept his job <laughs> pretty secure con- compared to the amount of success he's had. But, um, you know, I mean, again, if you wanted to power rank it, heck, what people were saying Gundy might be out of Oklahoma State uh-huh. not too long ago. And then he had a big year last year and you, kind of changed the equation a little bit. You but. guys are bigger college football junkies than I am. Well, I would from, say junkie. You're yeah. from a basketball state. You know, Brooks is a. Bro, do, do you, me up. Have we ever told the public what you do on YouTube? Sometimes? I don't know if I, I have. Do you want to? I mean, we can't. I, I. You could call it watching film, but I don't. It's just feeding my addiction. Really, I've go. I go back and I will find full games or even highlight packages on YouTube of just. Every single, random every single game. I'm, yeah. I'm still back in the 2018 season, and I'm just continuing to watch because there were so many years when I worked with the football team and then covering. So when, when we cover games for uh, sports call, that I don't get to watch all the football that happens, and I wouldn't get to watch all the football that happens even if I was sitting there on my couch watching it all. But it, I like to go back and watch some of the old, most of the old games to see what you know what everything was happening. So my topic here is is just Rick Stockstill. At Middle Tennessee for 16 seasons. Yeah. Is there anything special there? I don't feel that there is. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, there is. Um, I just respect. He lost to UAB I, in a conference championship game. That's fun. I respect um, then his that. His play quarterback for him. That MTSU is not in a position to ch- You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can't win. I'm going to say, there right. is there's nothing special because in his head coaching record, which he's only been a head coach at Middle Tennessee, he is 101 and 98. Oh, wow. I was going to tell you, I, I can't. I, I can only think of a couple of really good Middle Tennessee teams, and again, one of them definitely did not win because they lost to UAB in the conference championship game. I think. I think when evaluating his career, you would say that Rick Stock has taken kind of a standstill. <laughs> And his name is Rick Stocks. They they won the Sun Belt his first year there in 2006, but lost the Motor City Bowl. They've won 
three bowl games in his career there, and they've lost six bowl games. They're three and six in bowl games. He's won Conference USA's East Division once. Like I said, won the Sun Belt once. Two times Sun Belt Coach of the Year and a one time CSU Coach of the Year. That was this year. The or no, no, 2018. The nation's longest tenured head coach is Kirk Ferentz at Iowa again with 23 seasons. And even Iowa is not out here competing for college football playoff berths even no, really that consistently. Really. What would you – I mean, what do you think the record is for Ferentz at Iowa? Oh, well, I mean, heck, to be – 23 seasons. I'm putting he's you on the, the spot long, here. Since he's the longest, I mean, let's just be honest, I'm three when he starts, so I don't know the first handful <laughs> yeah. of years if they were okay or kind of a slow climb. Well, you know, he – I mean, Iowa – it's – I was about a nine and three program. Um, Guess a number. Yeah, that puts you at seventy five percent. Probably adjusted a little lower. Early years are probably a little lower. I got like sixty eight percent. Do you have the percentage, Brooks? Uh, I don't. I'm, unless you can do quick math, I don't have the percentage. All right. Well, what, what, are to, what are total wins that you think, Ryan? Uh, in twenty three years, well, you do twenty three times ten. It's two thirty. You're gonna take some <laughs> off of that. Um. Why'd you go 10 games? That's a nice round number to start out with. Oh, for How's your that math, say? that's yeah. you're saying. Okay. 23 times 10 okay. is 230. You take and then you're going to do 23 times gonna... 2 to get the extra 12, right, to get up to the 12 games. And then you're going to have 46. So you're going to go 230 no. plus 46 and have you 276 say, you, no, total no, games. No, timeout, son. You ask me how many wins he has? Yeah. Why would I need to count how many games he's played? True. Okay. I'm saying 10 wins a year. I see what you're so saying. So 23 okay, okay. times 10 wins a year is 230 wins. I'm going to knock at least one off. Totally it's gonna be two, I'm going to knock a 23 off because it's nine years or nine wins a year. It's 207. And then I'm going to probably place him somewhere just below that. I'm going to say like. 199, 198. Okay, and I'm going to lock in. All right. 208. Okay. And we're just looking at his Iowa record. Yes. Yep. Right, because he was head coach at Maine for three years before he took the Iowa job. That Love makes it. sounds like that makes a difference. I've now he, he was confident. he was twelve and twenty one at Maine overall Ooh. when he took the Iowa job. Yeah. Yeah. First year at Iowa he went one and ten. Oh no. <laughs> See, I, I I don't. How am I supposed to know that? He didn't have a winning record till his third year at Iowa. He went one and ten, three and nine, then seven and five. Okay. And then. So should I change two oh eight? It does not feel like he's over two hundred wins at Iowa. At Iowa, he is one seventy eight and one ten. At one seventy eight, one ten. We can do math. I remember I said sixty eight percent. So you said one seventy eight and, and one ten. Yes. So that's out of 188, right? Or 288, right? Correct. So 178, 62%. And I said 68%. So I missed you by a little We're bit. We're good at this. But I, you know. I Again, the one win in one season, that that's a whole that's a whole deal there. It changes everything. And, and then didn't make a bowl game in year two. What was it five or three wins in year two? Five wins? Three three and nine in so, his second year. All three wins yeah. were in conference, though. What was the best that's stretch of Iowa football? The best stretch of Iowa football? Under Kirk Ferentz. Um, you could say 2002 to 2004. They went 11 and 2, 10 and 3, 10 and 2. We'll take it. Wow, three straight. And yeah. then uh, double digit win seasons. Very, the very recent. Recently, where they went uh, 12 and two in uh, 2015, 
ten and three in twenty nineteen, ten and four in twenty twenty one. This little stretch where they've challenged for a Big Ten title the last few years, that's that's a good stretch Man, too. See, four wins in two years. I missed it twenty over. If they win nine a year like I was projecting, that would have been 14 more wins. I would have been only six off. Let's take a break. That's how important that was. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call Podcast. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Incredibly blessed to do what I do. JJ Jackson here with you in the Sports Call Studios, Tiger 95.9 FM, and the Tiger Communications app, alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan Lavoy. We love the rest of our Sports Call team. Very much so. Very, very much so love the rest of our team. But the three of us have just known each other for so long. There was a butt coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, college buddies and every year since and and so i don't know it's just something about uh getting to do the show with you guys it's special makes it's kind of scary when a good you time. say college buddies we're getting old uh do you want to like since we're getting old and we talked last week about adam sandler as he's gotten older just does stuff with his friends and cool people do we just keep doing stuff with <laughs> yeah. friends and cool people take yeah. take things less and less seriously over time yeah and, yeah uh, speaking of Adam Sandler, does mean we're having a Netflix special coming soon? And speaking of Netflix specials, Uh-oh. and speaking of movies, and speaking of the radio station that we're on, Tiger ninety five point nine FM, and speaking of our website, the Tiger FM. Again, www.thetiger.fm. Every single week, Movie Monday. You've got to go check it out. Ryan Lavoy gives you a pick of a movie to watch. What did we do this week? We did a movie that you would not want to see, JJ. It's called Fright Night. I think it's a lot of fun, though. Um, <laughs> you know, and again, I mentioned these articles. Do not think that because I write Movie Mondays that I have seen all the movies, okay? Do, uh, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. That was a horrible way to phrase that. I have seen all the movies I write about. But if they have if they have an original from like the 1970s or 80s or if it was a book adapted into a movie, the odds are I have not read that book nor seen the original. So I try not to compare th- movies to the their counterparts and that sort of thing. Like if I'm like Fright Night for instance was a horror movie that came out in the 1980s. I have not seen it, okay? And from what I could tell, as is most most of the time the case, the original people like a little better. I think this Fright Night was still pretty well received, though. And so I watched it for the first time. I love horror movies. Uh, Colin Farrell stars in it. 
uh, Anton Yelkin as well, the late Anton Yelkin. I believe that's how you pronounce that. He was also Chekhov and uh, Star Treks. Um, was were, were starring roles here, and Colin Farrell was essentially a uh, a vampire living next door in a neighborhood right outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. And I thought it was a fun movie because it had the elements of horror to it, but it was a much more lighthearted approach, not to the not to the standpoint that it was cartoonish or fake or anything like that, but just like a little dose of humor here and there, um, a, a kind of a more upbeat, you know, not like dark and dreading, a little more fast-paced. And so I really liked it. It was a nice surprise. Um and yeah, I write movie about Movie Monday each Monday. My whole thing is I want to do something that's either in the theaters currently that I've seen or something that's available in one of the main two streaming services that most people have. I know a lot of people have a lot of different things now, HBO Max, Apple TV+, Plus, etc. Um, but I stick to Hulu and Netflix because I feel most people have at least one of those two things. Uh, those were kind of the originals. So uh, I, I try and put something out there that's either available in one of those two or currently showing in theaters. I've not gotten to the theater last month or so, uh, so I've not been able to review anything in the, in the theater. But... Uh, but uh, yeah, whenever I do go, I try and include that, and and yeah. I Can you name your last five movie Mondays? Probably not. Okay. Um, let me see if I can at least do last week's. Um. Oh man, see the ooh. I don't know if I can. Contagion. Okay. Yep. Stowaway. Yeah, that one was good. Was a surprise. That one's on Netflix. The Devil's Advocate. Yep. That's a that's a really good movie. Moneyball okay. and the Lost City. So there you go. Lost City's last one I saw in the theater. What, what was six weeks ago? Yeah, a month and a half. Um, so ideally, I go to a movie every single month. Now I don't necessarily write about every single movie I go and see in the theater, uh, and I try and mix it up. Like my favorite genre is horror, and it's not particularly close. But I realize that there, horror, horror is not something that people have no opinion on they usually either stay away from it or they really like it right it's not like a comedy or a superhero movie like how would your two that, friends in the studio fare in that genre uh brooks, or how do they feel how, about that genre brooks really doesn't watch horror um and, and you don't watch horror either you, brooks i don't think gets overly scared he just doesn't like that jj gets overly scared but sometimes <laughs> sits through one anyway <laughs> Fair. Is that fair? Yeah, <laughs> I I like I, I like the uh, and I've I've said this before. I think I've said it on air before. I like Ryan's writing. That's why I check out what he has. For I like Movie the, Monday on the website. I like the Stephen King type of horror. Like I like the books. The, I, I like Stephen King's books. And so like when they're get made into movies, I'll go and watch those. So like the the new one, Firestarter. Firestarter yeah. I'm yeah. really interested in that. I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters, but I, I would be very interested in seeing that movie. Um, so, so basically my point is I try and change it out so that because if, if you're not a big superhero movie person, say you're not really into the Avengers or, or something like that, then I still think those people that, that don't say it's a favorite genre would still be more willing to watch than the people say that say they don't like horror. Because there's people that just absolutely will not do horror. They're either incredibly scared by it or they think it's incredibly stupid um so so that's why i try and mix it up although i admit again horror is my favorite genre are you prepared to give us a nightly tv guide uh, yeah all right let's do it then here we go it's our nightly tv guide we do it every day 
covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. That was a blunder. Let me do this again. Here's our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Brooks, it's our nightly TV guide. What's on television tonight? What should folks be on the lookout for? Well, speaking of movies, I will give you one movie pick for this evening because there's enough sports on to keep you occupied. 635 on FFXM. FXM. 635. X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay. I love it. movie. Uh, if you've never seen it, phenomenal, phenomenal X-Men edition, uh, movie to the edition of the X-Men, whatever. I'm tongue-tied. Six o'clock on TBS, MLB action tonight. The Houston Astros take on the Boston Red Sox. Some TBS action tonight. Uh, also, MLB 640 on Bally Sports South. Game two between the Braves and the Brewers. Hopefully the Braves can bounce back. The only run scored by the either team last night was via Ian Anderson wild pitch that scored a run for the Brewers, and the Braves lost one to nothing with Ronald Acuna back in the lineup leading off. Hopefully the Braves can muster more runs than that. Amen. Also, baseball action night, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Number 19, Auburn takes on Samford up at uh, the Hoover Met. Brody Moore leads off uh, the lineup. Sonny DeShera is batting second tonight. Jordan Armstrong getting the start for the Tigers on the mound. And then NHL action tonight. The Stanley Cup playoffs get underway with the conference finals tonight, or the conference semifinals. Is the Lightning take on the Panthers in Game 1 at 6 o'clock on TNT. Then at 8.30, it's the Blues and the Avalanche also on TNT. And the NBA action gets started tonight with these are the conference finals. 7.30 ESPN, Celtics Heat, Game 1. Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics take on Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Miami is a four-point home favorite tonight. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at Coca-Cola. Perfect. Thank you so much, Brooks. I appreciate everything that you do, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. Ryan LaVoy, thank you for being here as well. I enjoyed it. We can't wait to listen to you guys on the show throughout the rest of the week. As that will wrap up today's edition of Sports Call. Again, thank you, Cole Pinkston, Auburn Live recruiting for joining us on the show to talk about the future football team for the Auburn Tigers. Justin Ferguson, our buddy from the Auburn Observer, stopped by as well. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks again for my partners, Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.